If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Afrotech 2018, Oakland, California. Common, the Grammy Award-winning rapper, is on the main stage answering a question from someone in the audience about the importance of not leaving behind or neglecting the talent towards opportunity in tech from those who are incarcerated. While so many of us seek to find ways to evangelize this moment in tech for black people to create wealth and legacy, he reminds us not to forget those behind bars. I mean, from my experience, I've been able to go to some visit individuals who are in prison and just sit down and talk with them. And I think one of the things that they really value is just being able to be heard and be recognized as human beings. I think you making an effort to show them that in technology that they deserve to have the chance to be coders and be a part of the tech industry is a, is a statement in itself. You, um, you also have to just make it like, not easy because it's not gonna be easy, but give them the, the path to know that they can do it. But you, got, you find some incredible women and men that's locked up in prison, that's doing life without parole, and, and been through a lot of stuff that are just bringing incredible ideas and humanity. So if they get a hold of, and, and I did go to a prison where they are coding, and I actually met a guy named Charles who I sat in his cell with him one, one month, and then five months later he was out, in prison, out of prison and coding for a company. So I think it's, a, it's um, something that we should I think if we bring that to our juveniles that, that are dealing with incarceration and bring that to people who are incarcerated, we would give them a whole nother hope, a whole nother aspect of hope. So one of those questions that came earlier about what we could do socially, I think that would be a great idea from the tech industry is to make sure we go look out for those who, is, who are cast out 
that are locked up in prison and thrown away. We should really take care of them. I'm Will Lucas, and this is Black Tech, Green Money. I'm going to introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds, and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Hodge Flemings is a leading brand strategist, speaker, and tech entrepreneur that travels nationally, inspiring people and brands to build, launch, and grow their ideas. As founder of Rebrand Cities, he's on a mission to get 10,000 local small businesses online. I asked Hodge about Silicon Valley, namely about the idea that just by using sheer numbers and a bit of math, not all of us are going to move to Silicon Valley, Miami, or Atlanta. And if not, how do we build strong tech ecosystems wherever we are? You know, I think historically, if you look at the DNA of Black and Latinx people, right, we have always had a creative DNA in us. And typically, we're in a situation where there are high barriers of entry, there's access issues, but we always seem to be able to figure out a way to do more with less, right? And so, and so what I've always found is that I believe, and I'll use Detroit as an example. Detroit, I believe the barriers of entry are lower here than any other market. So I can go to another market where they don't know me and, there's, and everybody's scrapping for, you know, trying to find their place and they want to be the only black solution in that market. But why not be a big fish in a small pond and put my city on. And that's the way I looked at it the same way, you know what I'm saying? Cause I know, you know what I'm saying? Cause I know that you're from Toledo, right? And so, you know what I'm saying? So, so we have, you know, I don't know if it's a chip on our shoulder and we're like, you know, like there's great stuff that comes out of the Midwest or, or, or where we're from. And I just looked at it as more of an opportunity versus saying, I have to go travel somewhere that I can learn from somewhere else, but why can't I bring that stuff back home and then try to do economic gardening and stuff in my own community? So, so if we do decide to stay in a place where technology isn't actually, let me take that back where, where the idea we have of technology, because technology is every industry, whether you're doing HR for a healthcare system, where you're doing law for an automotive, you're still working with technology every day. So how do we start to change our minds and the narrative that we're being taught um, that, you know, if you want to build an app, you need to be somewhere else. How do we change that narrative? in our local community so that we can start to perpetuate and get more of us doing this type of work. So I think some of it is a challenge, right? Because, you know, so there are like real challenges that exist in our community. So, so there is more VC funding in, you know, in places like Silicon Valley and Austin and Boston and stuff like that. So we do have to figure out like, what are those challenges and how can I, in the space that I'm in, maximize that? And so, and so for me, like what I tried to do is say, okay, um, I wanted to look at what do I do well? What do I focus on? What are the things that I was created for? Sometimes we have this shiny object like mentality. And so we see something happening somewhere else. Or we see somebody doing something cool and then we want to go replicate it. Like I'm sure as soon as people saw Afrotech and Blavity, everybody's like, oh, I can become the next Blavity. I can become the next Afrotech without understanding all of the stuff that has been happening behind the scenes to get to this point. And so, and so what I've done is like, let me just double down in the space that I'm in and try to be an expert and not just, and not just jump and try to be the next Will Lucas. Let me just be the best highs that I can be in my market and try to make an impact there and see where that leads me. And I think we get into this comparison thing because of social media and we're trying to become something that we're 
know what I'm saying, that we were never called to be. And I think that starts to take us places that we don't belong. And so I try to, I try to really major in majors and minor in minors and do what I do and be the best at it in the space that I'm in. So let's talk about, you talked about there's, there's less venture capital funding in cities like the cities that we're from. And there's these certain economies, geography, uh, geographies where those, they do have that funding. Let's talk about how we make those, these cities real then. Like what needs, what needs to happen? What are the actual things that need to happen to build a bigger entrepreneurially friendly ecosystem in community? Like what do universities need to get involved? Do the big corporations need, like what needs to happen to make these cities better for entrepreneurs? So I think in all these cities, there are anchors. So we have university anchors, we have organizational anchors. I think also too, we have to hold cities and we have to hold big brands accountable, right? So when I looked at um, George Floyd's death and so on May 25th, I saw all these black boxes posting online. And I was like, that's great that you support us. That's great that you are with us. But what rang in my mind was, this is a time we have everybody's attention. How can we now focus on really trying to drive or, or, or really adjust what's happening from an economic standpoint, because it's not just a social issue, you know what I'm saying, like to me. And so, and so, and so what I've tried to do is in my market, what can I do to try to get at the table? For many of us, we're really not at the table. And so when these decisions are made, so when Chase brings $100 million into your community and you're not a part of that conversation, and by the time they get to you, well, we have a $5,000 grant. I'm not knocking the $5,000 grant, but how do we get up higher in the food chain so that when the real dollars are allocated, they go to the real organizations that are close to the problems, that understand and are empathetic towards that community. And it's typically people that look like us, but by the time we get it, we should be happy for $5,000. And I'm not knocking the five grand, but if I can get a million, 10 million, or five, you know, I'm, that's where those are the spaces that I want to play in. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. 
Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. So, so let's go in on that. Like, what kind of person do I need to be to get at the table? Like, what what do I need to do with either my personal brand or what kind of what does my resume need to look like to get at the table? Yes. So, so there's a narrative that says that you have to go to you know Harvard or Stanford, and so and so there's certain things that happen right. There's pattern matching, all of these things where the people who are making those decisions happen to be happen to look a certain way and they kind of and they kind of green like certain projects so i'm gonna give an example so when we started rebrand cities we started out as rebrand detroit and we were a part of um um so there was a call from uh or the from from the knight foundation it was a night it was the knight city challenge there were seven thousand people that applied we were one of 32 winners right and so we had a better chance of hitting of hitting like the actual lottery but we took that idea and said okay how can we pilot this to figure out how we can turn this into something even bigger. So, so we wanted to rebrand a neighborhood, a black neighborhood, the same way the city had already did um, our midtown area. And so we, and so we took that and then we started to look at what is a business model for us to be able to follow, right? So we looked online and we saw that 20, you know what I'm saying, that there were 28 million small businesses. 46% had no website, 55% were cash only. All right. And so, and so we started to do this accelerator in the neighborhood and we realized that nobody had a website or almost, or almost nobody had a website. So we said, okay, we have, we have to address this issue. Then we started looking at cities. So there's, there's approximately 19,495 cities, towns, and villages in the United States. And then we pared that down and we found out that there's 310 cities that have a hundred, that have a population of a hundred thousand or more. And so we said, Let's focus on those cities and addressing a problem that every single city has. So we looked at a problem, we found an addressable market, and um, and then we figured out who do we need to talk to. So okay, so we need to talk to people who are in economic development. We need to talk to mayors. We need to talk to people who who have the bag, right? And so we had an issue that we know all of them were concerned with. We knew that if they addressed that issue, it was going to be able to impact their city. And so we knew that we were on to something. But some of that happened by trial and error, right? 
The other part is having the opportunity to be on a platform like this. Many of us don't have media connections, right? And so you contacting me and giving me this opportunity is a lifeline for me. It's, I mean, it means everything, not because I love what you guys do, but I know that you have a you have a huge community that's going to support. And so those are a couple of things that we thought about in terms of kind of how we wanted to focus on that. So you, let's talk about you, what you noticed as an issue is a lot of these small businesses didn't have websites. They weren't technologically savvy. Let's start with just the website. Why is it important for that small mom and pop who might do, you know, dry cleaning or might have, you know, a restaurant? Why is it important that they be online and with an actual website? Why is that important in the first place? So 90% of people who make a buying decision go online first, right? And then, and so when you're going to search this stuff, I go into Google Maps. If you're not in Google Maps or, or if the information is wrong, if it says that you're open to five o'clock, and you closed at three o'clock. And then, you know, and so, and, and so now I'm going somewhere else. I'm going, I'm spending money somewhere else. And so we become invisible in a digital economy. So then COVID hits, right? And then now people who weren't online, you're, I mean, you were really in a tough situation because now people couldn't buy your product, they couldn't buy your services. And then even when you got online, you then had to then take another step of POS. You had to have, you had to operationalize the business, right? And so those were the things where now we're putting all, now we're stacking all these problems on top of an access to um, capital and all these other things. And then now for us, it's like we did a project locally called, um, it was called Digital Detroit. And in that project, we work with the city, um, and the Rocket Community Fund to work with 100 businesses. We had to do all of this virtually. One of the challenges we had is that we had to have the criteria, people needed to have some kind of device because we're doing this stuff remotely. Everything was remote. And so the, we had people who didn't know how to screen share and digital literacy became a major issue. And so those things stacked the deck against us. And so it just created just another challenge you know, you know, that we had to overcome basically. So if, if I'm hearing you correctly, there are, instead of always trying to build the next Snapchat, instead of always trying to build the next Instagram or whatever, there are real core issues that these smaller cities, and not necessarily always smaller, but, you know, not less, they're not all Silicon Valley. There are real issues that create opportunity for entrepreneurs. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and so, you know, so we don't have to solve the biggest problem in the world. I know if you're getting VC funding, you know what I'm saying, they want 10X plus return, right? Um, and that's not going, um, but everybody is not venture, everybody doesn't have a venture backable idea. But the idea that you have can be something that can scale. It can be an idea that can also allow you to be able to create a nice lifestyle and to be able to generate the kind of return so that you can do this full time. And so, and so I think just trying to figure out what that is, because also too, I would much rather work with somebody who has a passion for what they're doing and they love what they're doing. And their whole goal is I'm not creating this because I'm trying to get an exit. I'm not knocking that strategy um, because there are people getting great returns, but, but I mean, but how many of those unicorns do we have? How many people like Delane Parnell, like do we have who's going to raise 107 million and that's going to happen for that's my guy. I'm happy for him, but that's not going to be everybody, but that's okay. And we have to be okay with the fact that we can do something that could be, that could be transformational for our community. There was a young lady during the pandemic who was braiding hair 
who who um and all the barbershops and salons were closed down she started teaching people how to braid hair on zoom and she was charging people how to braid hair and it, it, and it began to expand her community and her reach that's innovation to me that's innovation I want to talk about, you know, just the actual direct rebranding of a geography, rebranding a city. You know, branding, as you know, I know, like it's, it's what other people say about you, not what you say about yourself, right? How do you change the narrative about a community? Um, and what are the tactical things you need to do to make other people say something different about that space? Yeah, so, so I think it has to have an inclusive lens, but you need to have people who are in a decision-making position, people who are in, I mean, public policy drives so much of what happens in our cities. And I know we love to, you know, vote for the presidential election and that's great, but what happens in a local community? And so, and so trying to get buy-in from, from that kind of leadership becomes critically important. And what we've tried to communicate to the cities that we work with, because we're doing stuff in nine cities and in two different countries, is that, is that we try to have the conversation to say, look, what if people could navigate your city based upon small business owners? What if in Detroit, if they needed to go to a coffee shop and, and we could say, okay, you can go to Narrowway Cafe, which is a black owned coffee shop on the Livernois Avenue of Fashion, and you can now explore that looking at, looking through a small business, supporting that small business, it's a different lens, right? And so a lot of the stories that I see, even in my city, I've seen stuff where they talk about small business. Oh, we love being in the city of Detroit. Yes, but if you came from the suburbs and you went to an Ivy League school and you were already set up with all the stuff, of course it's amazing for you. Like there's no question it's amazing. It will be amazing for me too if those things were all in place, right? And so, and so what we've tried to do, and we're working on a project right now, and it's called Rebrand Black. And so we have an accelerator where we're working with um, 12 small businesses that are all Black-owned. And what we've tried to do with the stakeholders and the people that we're working with is, let's focus on making sure that we are including businesses that don't get the same coverage, right? And so I think when cities are looking, they have to, they have to take the blinders off and look at how do we create a city for all people and not just for a homogeneous community of people that are going to be okay regardless of what you know and so those are the things that we've really tried to hammer and and for us it's been it's been um it's been uh it's been a labor of love it's been yeah, a labor yeah. of love <laughs> you know i'm, I'm you bring up you talk a lot about, you know, these small businesses who historically haven't been, you know, online, not very sophisticated in the new age that we live in. And I think specifically about the Midwest, you know, we come from a place where manufacturing drove the day. And, you know, so a lot of these folks you're talking about, maybe first generation entrepreneurs, mom and pop shops and et cetera. How do you at the same time of helping them, you know, be more sophisticated with their technology also help them along the way where they don't perpetuate some of the stereotypes about working with black owned companies. You know, like you talked about, it says you opened the five at five, but you left at three. You know, you didn't say hello to me when I walked in the door or all, all these things. How do we, because these folks don't have, you know, like you and I like lineage of entrepreneurship, we got to learn this stuff on the fly. How, how do we get those business principles as well through your programming? 
Yeah, yes, I think like part of it is is that we have to be willing to give each other a chance. We think everybody else's ice is colder. And so somebody will do something wrong and and it'll be okay. Or if somebody goes to the club and somebody steps on your shoe, you still go back next week or whenever. But if one thing goes wrong with supporting a black owned business, then that's the end of the world and we just want to throw our hands up, right? And so we understand that we have a tremendous, we have tremendous economic buying power. What if we took some of that and we began to support each other? And so that's part of what we do like through our community is that, all right, how do we support the people who are in this cohort, the business that we're working with? When we buy something, let's post something online, let's share. So when, you know, so when the pandemic started last year, we took an entire week and we just, we were just supporting black businesses and we posted, we tagged online, we showed the product. Part of that was to encourage other people to say, hey, look, if you're going to buy something, let's share that you're actually doing it. There's a great platform. It's called Spendify. Spendify is a platform um, that's ran by Antoine Davis. And it is a list of Black-owned businesses, right? And so, and, so, and so we try to partner or try to share these kind of opportunities because people will say, well, I don't know where to go. And I find that like disheartening, right? But um, so we try to demonstrate from example and then share what other people are doing for sure. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. 
LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Oh, we got a question that came in on lunch table. Um, it says, what should you do first, a business plan or product development? All right. So, so I remember doing a business plan years ago. I had this, this big stack of paper. It was like, I don't know, 100 pages. After I developed it, I, I, I couldn't even tell you how many times I looked at the business plan after I developed it. What I think is more efficient is now getting and looking at um, creating um, your business model. Everybody has heard of the business model canvas, right? And so I think developing a canvas, which is a sheet, it goes through revenue streams, customer segmentation, um, um, the, uh, you know, the, um, you know what I'm saying, like the problem that you're focused on, I would say develop that. That is something, but that's a living document. It's something that you can continue to update. That will be something that as you're pitching or sharing, it will allow you to be able to pull the information. And I think that's most important, right? In terms of you understanding the business. At the end of the day though, you have to have a product or service that people want, right? So, and people talk about, Oh, I want to go viral. Yeah, we'll create something that people want, right? That's the that's the first thing. If it's not something that people want, it doesn't matter about you can go hire all the marketing companies and you can do crazy stuff. But at the end of the day, create something that people want. And I would say, and again, I know all the MBA programs are gonna be like, hi, don't say this, but the canvas to me is gonna be more value than this. Um, you know, this big business plan that you're never going to update because the canvas is a living document. So I would start there. And then we always talk about in design thinking circles that getting in front of the customer, taking an idea and getting in front. Well, I remember when you were doing podcasting prior to getting on this, right? You started something and you started just doing your thing and look at what you're doing now, right? That's right. Right. That's right. 100%. I'm a testament. I'm a testament to do the work and do the work. Um, there's another question that came in, which I think I may have to rephrase it because I'm not sure I understand it, but it says, should you bother with physical goods or must it be software or be a software as well when scaling? And what I think they're trying to say is when you're trying to scale a business, is it better to do it with physical goods or build a software? That's what I think they're trying to say. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? So I, um, I'm 49 years old. So I remember when you could buy software, you could just buy Illustrator. I'd get the disc, I'd pop it in and I would have Illustrator, you know what I'm saying? Like forever until, you know, until it got to a point to where I was forced to go change it. That's now right. you can't do that anymore. They created SaaS product. I mean, all of this stuff to where now you have to get this membership. So I think that there's an opportunity to be able to, how do you, how do you become a tech enabled company? Right. And so if you're not, I mean, if the if the product or the or the thing that you're working on isn't a technology only play, trying to put a round peg into a square hole, I don't think that's the thing. But I think figuring out what you want to create and then making it easy for people to be able to connect to that idea. And if there's a way to be able to have people continue to pay for this product or, you know, what I'm saying whether it's a membership box or things like that. I think those things are great, but I don't think you should try to create something and just try to be like the SaaS thing when that's not really what you are, right? And so I think I think being very clear on that and testing it out and figuring out what all entrepreneurs understand is that the thing that you start with is never gonna be the thing that you end with. So you start doing something and the customer will let you know, okay, all right, I see it like this, or what if you offered it this way, or if you packaged it that way? 
And um, and then I think those were the natural pivots will allow you to be able to reach these um, unaddressable markets. You know, it's so interesting, you know, talking to you because, I, you know, having known you for, goodness, it's been a while now. You're like, you, you've been really good at your personal brand. And I do think that small business today is very personality driven in a lot of ways. Like, how do you advise folks? How do they, how do you build a personal brand? I guess is the question. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? So I look at brands and I've seen people who will, t- um, who will be authentic. And then I see stuff that's not authentic, but but they've developed something that people want to connect to. So for me personally, especially being black, I think it's super important for me. I want to be authentic because my word is my bond. So if I say I'm going to do something, I have to deliver, even if, even if I need to take an L on certain, on certain projects. The other thing is being consistent online. And so I grew up and I remember when we used to, so we called it capping growing up. So, you know what I'm saying? So whether it's capping, joning, it's the dozens or whatever. So online, I can't say what I really, really want to say because we grew up and we were going for the juggler all the time. So what I realized that online, um, I mean, I just, I mean, I'm playing with kid gloves in terms of stuff that I say because I can't say everything that I want to say. But I think being on message, being consistent so that when people see you, all right, they can they can vouch for, they can validate what you're doing, or they want to connect with you. I think that's super important, and I think we we just start jumping to compare to other people, and we keep switching. And those are the things that I think work against us versus working for us. If if I'm a small business owner, talk about some of the technologies I should have in place that help me at least compete, like the actual technology I should have that help me compete with people who have scaled before I was able to, whether that be, you know, a digital POS system, like what, what kind of things that probably generally across the board, these are some things I should have at core to help me build a sustainable long-term business. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So you wanna have email, you wanna have email like database. It's great to have all these followers online, but if you have a million people who are following you in IG, that's great. How do you now connect directly to that customer? So having their direct information so that you can communicate with them becomes critically important. How do we automate tasks? So, you know, we grow up and we're like, I got to hustle. I got to work harder. And we understand that we have to work hard, but there's certain things that we can automate. We can use platforms like Zapier and you can, and you can put things in place that will allow you to focus on what you need to focus on. What I try to spend my time on is I need to be out there raising money and generating revenue. So these tasks that are repeatable, I need to be able to outsource those or have other people do that because I need to focus on bringing in the money. And those are certain things that I think that we, that become a lost art. And we could go on and on and on if we have more time, but I'll probably just stop with those two points because those are really, really big things that people need to think about. All right, I'm going to blend these two questions because uh, they are somewhat similar. Uh, and then I want to make sure we get to an adequate closes. The first one says, can you get funding on a business plan pr- prospectus or does it have to be an operation? And the second question is, um, where do we get funding? No strings attached like grants. OK, so there are people um, they might not all all look like us. And they can go in there and they can go pitch something with flip flops on and, uh, you know, and no slide deck. 
and they go get money. So everybody can't do that, right? And so your history, all the other kinds of stuff that does play into it. So people, it has happened. Um, I don't know how repeatable that is for all of us, but it has happened. I would not, I would not lean upon that, right? Um, so now um, in the era of COVID and all things that are going on, there are a lot of programs, there are a lot of things, whether it's the Entrepreneur of Color Fund, there's all kinds of things out there where there is grant money. Also PPP, a lot of us didn't apply. Oh, hold on. So a lot of us, <laughs> I mean, that was my daughter. So a lot of us did not apply for PPP. That was free money. So you can still apply. It was extended to the end of May. And if you put all the paperwork in and you follow the guidelines, that's free money as well too. And we can't lose out or miss out on that. And, and lastly, um, I love to ask this question to people like you and this, how important is this moment for us in business? When you think about, you know, coming off of our social unrest over the last year, 16 months or whatever, the pandemic, so many corporations and organizations paying attention to what black people need and who have historically probably overlooked or didn't believe we were going through what we were going through. Now I actually seeing that it's real. How important is this moment in our you know, history that may not be here a year from now that we take advantage of what's happening right now? I am so glad you asked that question. So, so right now we have everybody's attention, right? And so now what are we doing in this moment so that we can now capture that? Part of what I think becomes important is how can we hold the brands and other organizations that have benefited from black culture? So when we did our rebrand black um, piece, we reached out to Cadillac and Thriving and, and the conversations we had were, okay, what can we do to put money back into our community? And they were there to be able to, to work with us hand in hand. But we had to be bold enough to ask the question and to reach out to these brands because there's a lot of brands that have benefited from us for up to 400 years. And now this is a time where I don't know whether they feel guilty or whatever it is. And I'm not talking about Cadillac. I'm just saying, this is a moment where let's take this moment because it's not coming back again, folks, because we're all going to be outside traveling and doing stuff. The only reason that this was a real opportunity was because everybody was at home. Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. And it's produced by Morgan DeBond and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach and Raven Nearbor. Special thank you to Micah Davis and Sakara Savanyan, you know, like the wine. Yes, that's his real name. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. The video version of this episode will drop the Black Tech Green Money on YouTube next week, so tap in. Enjoying Black Tech Green Money? Leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Go get your money. Peace and love. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. 
With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.